0: You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Beyond the Game. Hello and welcome again to Beyond the Game. I am Kendall Game, your host. And as always, we talk about life off the field and after our careers. Uh, thanks today by our new sponsor, Miles Schneers, Crown Automotive for all your Toyota and Volkswagen needs, Crown Automotive and Lawrence Kids. This is the place to go. Uh, my guest today, we're going back, folks. Uh, we may get reacquainted a little bit before we get to everything else, but LaVon Kirkland out of Clemson University and uh, my teammate with the Pittsburgh Steelers for my four years is there. He played 11 in the league. Uh, Nine with the Steelers, one with Seattle, and your last one with Philadelphia, I believe, right? Levon, right. right. dude, how are you doing? It's good to see you,
1: <clears throat> man. It is great seeing you. Uh, you know, when I think about you, think about the trips, the plane trips that we always took. You and Mark Royals, see, <laughs> so, yep. uh, let's see me and Damati Dawson sitting in the seat right in front of you guys. Right, I think we, I think we laughed the whole way there. And then all the way back, it was amazing. It was a lot of fun.
0: It, it really was, and it was always so much fun because the other one, you know, you were a second round pick. Um, yeah. Big 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 Surfs was a first round pick, and mm-hmm. he had his he had his Prince purple long uh, silk <laughs> sleeve on. So we of course called him Barney, and he he chuckled a little bit. But we had some good times back then for sure.
1: Um, no question about it, and nobody was immune to our teasing. I mean, yeah. he would. Yeah, so it, it didn't matter who you were, we would just uh, pick a guy out and we would just kind of tease him the whole time. Oh, we'd tease each other. It was a lot of right. fun.
0: It really was. Yeah, it really is. And and um, uh, as I always say, you, you can't have thin skin and, and play in the NFL because, no. and the minute you do, is when people just go after it. They, uh, <laughs> it's like you sniff out that that weak link a little bit. You had to leave me a go so, whole as we always say. Leave them. <laughs> you
1: got to be, Oh, if you bring it to the locker room, it's
0: over. You're exactly right. Yeah, you know, we talk about, of course, we can go all through, and we'll talk a little bit about life on the field, but it's more more about you know things that were going on off the field, even even after a career, but even beforehand. Going back, uh, you're a 1991 uh, All American at Clemson. Um, mm-hmm. You come out in the second round to Pittsburgh Steelers. uh, You're a bigger linebacker. Um, Just talk about what you were thinking back then, because I know I know from my side. You were a second round pick. I was the 11th round pick. So I was down the ways. But uh, what were your thoughts at that point?
1: Okay, I I tell you, I was. It was the happiest day of my life. Getting drafted. I remember getting the phone call. I remember going into the bathroom first and and basically manifesting that they were going to pick me. So. Before, uh-huh. the, before they picked me, I was like, they're gonna pick me, they're gonna pick me, they're gonna pick me. I went to the kitchen table. I sat by the phone <clears throat> the phone rate. And you remember the guy, Charles Bailey? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he was the one that was just like, you know, the, cause I, I'm throwing really small down. And he was like, do you guys have cable TV in Lamar, South Carolina? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, we got cable TV. Uh, He said, do you guys have ESPN? And I was like, yeah, it comes with the package. But, and then he was like, you know, hey, your name is on the, your name is going to be on the ticker pretty, so welcome to the Black go. I was, I mean, it was a a dream of mine since I was 11 years old. But then, the first day we come to mini camp, and because Coach Howard was a a new coach, the veterans came in the same time we came in, remember? Yeah, absolutely. and I was thinking to myself, boy, I got a lot of work to do. I was like, man, this competition that has gone up, another have yeah. And nobody really tells you that when you yeah. first get there. When you first get there, you're thinking, oh, yeah, I'm the man, second-round pick. I get there, and immediately I thought, like, I got a lot of work. To do. I mean, yeah, right it, away, it, because these are grown men with mortgages and kids, and I'm yeah. just a single guy just playing football and it's a serious profession, and that was the thing that i got from it that's so got there.
0: yeah i i remember watching in the locker room and you know seeing rod woodson and thinking that is the largest defensive back i've ever seen in my life it's not even free that, that fair and of course he goes on to the pro football hall of fame and right. everything so you, you understand that a little bit but um <clears throat> People don't always understand, do they? I mean, we go from being in college, where you know, BMOC a little bit. You, you've done well. You're an all-American, yada yada yada, whatever it is. And then all of a sudden, you're right back down at, at the rest shirt level. Yeah. And I, I don't know, if, I don't know how you were, but I was just like, okay, I'm I'm confident in what I can do, but I ain't gonna say a word. I'm just gonna keep my mouth shut yeah. and speak when spoken to. That was not that was my whole deal too.
1: And the funny thing is my position calls for you to be a little bit more assertive. Yeah. It calls for you to be a leader. And I've never, but the thing was, I never played inside back there until I got to Pittsburgh. Oh, I I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, so I had a a really, uh, it took me a year to really get it. You know, um, I was lucky enough to play special teams with you, and and that was a lot of fun. But, I, you know, I, I wanted to be a starter. But when I first got there, man, just how bold you have to be in front of everybody, calling the signals and making sure everybody's lined up. And <laughs> you're wondering what to do yourself. Yeah. Right? They they're putting you out there as they make the calls. So it was quite the adventure for me. But, yeah, I was like you. I wasn't going to talk until I was talking to it. Only people I talked to, just like you probably did, were the
0: rookies or the free agents on the team. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Somebody you deemed safe. And and yeah. uh, you know it more than I, but uh I mean, if there was an if there was a more intimidating force and person than Greg Lloyd, I don't know who it was. And um I remember my first day at camp, and you know, I I blocked and hit him something, and all of a sudden we're in a fight. I'm like, No, no, I I don't want this. I mean, you got a helmet on, we got pads on. That was one intense dude. He was. He was a very intense dude. Uh,
1: really, he was the heartbeat of our defense at that time. Yeah. The guy who really set the standards for us. But, man, yeah, that locker room was scary, man. We yeah. I'm going to tell you the guy that I was really afraid of was Carson Asherley.
0: Oh, I, I. Bar none. I always say that is the number one person that I want no part of because he had that wrestling part to it yeah. where you knew you were going down on the ground and you were over. Right, and he was only like maybe five eleven or so, but yeah, he was like uh, he was like a Pro
1: Bowl guard. Uh, yes, our first year, so it was him you know, mean, and Damani and the Ball Love and uh, John mm-hmm. Jackson. Those guys were pretty intimidating, you know. So. Yeah. You know you, you you go in there a young man in a boy in a man's world and you got to really adapt quickly because there was no symposiums or anything like that to tell us how to behave, what to look for and whatnot. It was more so like
0: jump in the deep end and you better learn how to swim, are you gonna sink? Yeah, there's there's no doubt about it. And then back then, there were so so fewer rules than there are is now. I mean, it cracks me up when people talk about how hard camps are now. And I, I'm, I'm it's not walking up hill both ways to school in the snow and everything. I'm talking about, but it was harder back then because you had two practices a day. It didn't matter you could go more than two days in a row. I mean, it, it just goes on and on and on. It, yeah, it was, it was it was a tougher world
1: back then. You know, just it was just more of. Uh, you Know nobody really felt for you, nobody really was compassionate. Really, <laughs> they were more right. sorry, like you either get it done or you'll get cut. That's yep. the bottom line, and yeah. so you learn that you learn that real quick, yeah. and you, you got to really adjust, even if you're a second. We cut Huey Richardson, who was, a yeah, bro- exactly, the year before. And I was like, oh boy, this thing is serious. When they cut him, I was like, wow, <laughs> Yeah. that <laughs> yeah. The hat's man is all over the place, man. The Grim Reaper. So yeah, you learn. You learn real quickly that you gotta you gotta stand up and you gotta you gotta really, you really. I'd say those first three years, man, you gotta show your work. If you don't show your words, you're gonna you're gonna bounce around
0: the league. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. You mentioned the fact that Bill Cowher, of course, he goes into the Pro Football Hall of Fame a few years back. I'm curious uh, what your thoughts are were of him. Uh, when you first were around him, and, and did you know him beforehand? Because I literally, even though he was a defensive coordinator for the Chiefs and came over, I didn't realize it. Literally, I remember when he got up in front of the the, the, uh, the team the first time, I'm thinking, who is this guy? Because he was so young. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is the head coach. I mean, uh maybe the number two-round pick got to meet him beforehand, but the number 11 pick did not. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, I may have been to first versus Convice. For it, it was just me and all the staff and scouts were interviewing me. Okay. And that was like, I did well, but that was kind of intimidating. That's the first time I met him. And then, you know, they they flew me out again to meet him. Okay. And he had a, we had a really good conversation that first time. And I felt like, man, this team, this team is really serious about drafting me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I recognized at that point in time, this was the team I wanted to play for because having a conversation with him, understanding what he was like, understanding his temperament, was really cool because he was kind of like,
0: oh, hey, just a oh, second, yeah, just a second. I want to hear more about this, but let's take a break and come back and <laughs> tell you we'll, we'll talk more about Bill. Sounds good. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. It's more fun to be there for live Kansas City Chiefs football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the Kansas City Chiefs and the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. And you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to wrap your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash
2: Chiefs. We're driven by the search for better. All right, we're back with LeVon Kirkland, 11-year NFL veteran,
0: uh, my former teammate with the Steelers for four years. So you are talking about Bill Cower and his, his intensity. hmm Yeah, well, yeah, just really listening
1: to him you know, the first time out, I, I was like, man, this is a guy I really wanted to play for. And then when I got the opportunity to play for him, uh, it seemed authentic, really. Just yes. And it, it really didn't seem like it was fake. And I, I, I like playing for Bill. I really did. I had a good time playing for Bill. We we kind of came out the gates slow. We won that Houston game, that first game, mm-hmm. and it kind of rolled from there. We went up. We went all win twelve games, and a couple years before that, yeah. Pittsburgh was not a good team. So I'm not always I always account the reason why they were so good because we had such a really good draft. And I'm not just saying that we really had a, a really good draft. The first three guys ended up being starters was me leon searcy and joe steen and then you had that dear yeah. Perry yourself come in charles davenport oh yeah we got a really good we had a really good class, class. Yeah. yeah yeah, that class really produced. to be honest with you so uh i always say that we were the start of that pittsburgh uh reinsurgence back into the top of the league
0: yeah no doubt um how about your time in pittsburgh i mean obviously we we're, we're we know what went on on the field, and, and uh, you know, playing in three univers was a special place. But Pittsburgh, in general, I I describe it as just this really close knit blue collar town. Where I mean, you know, a lot of people hadn't gone to college at the time, so they they I thought it was charming how uh, high school homecomings were very big, and and of course, Western Pennsylvania football is so huge as well.
1: Yeah, I thought it was a family friendly city. You know, when you first come out the Fort pit tunnels, you're like, wow. I'm from a small town in South Carolina, so I've never seen buildings probably more than 10 stories high. -hmm. And so to go to Pittsburgh, you're like, man, this is a huge city, but then you realize that it's kind of more of a family-oriented kind of city, and the people are super friendly, and they understand football, and they love the I mean, love, love the Steelers, so I thought it was a great place to be. I really enjoyed it. It wasn't a, it wasn't really hard to navigate as I originally thought it would be, and like I said, people were friendly, and that was the cool thing about it. And they love the Steelers. So my time there was great, especially because the Pittsburgh Steelers, they really like defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. I mean, I like and of course I play defense, so I liked them, it. and, and it, we had good teammates, man. We really did. Had good teammates. It was a pretty close knit team and we we're getting better as the
0: years are going on. We we're getting better and better. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, for me, just thinking back and, and, you know, I, some of the things that I don't know if they still do to this day, but you know, the fact that even like on Thursdays, we would go over to the Clark bar and, and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe have a beer and, and get together. And literally if people didn't show up. We would go talk to them and <laughs> they, they, we're, we're all getting together for whatever reason. I don't know if you ever got into it. We, a lot of us were playing cribbage and, and doing some things like that. And, and, easy, easy, easy. and it, it was interesting. So, you know, you, you come into a league and, uh, as you move on, you have a lot of success. You're all pro a couple of years. Well, yeah. all, First team all pro one year, uh, second team all pro another year, pro bowl a couple of years. So as your, as your role increases with Pittsburgh did Did you feel a different sense of responsibility and change and pressure?
1: Well, you know what? I felt that responsibility pretty early, actually, because, you know, my second year was my first year starting, and I was going against a guy named David Little, and David Little had been there for 12 years. I never, never, like I said, I started playing a position when I first got to Pittsburgh. I never played it before that, and I remember – Because coward just kind of making the announcement that they released David Little. I don't know if you remember that meeting? We are in a meeting. And he was like, like, David Little. And I was like, they didn't tell me anything. (laughs) (laughs) And so I just remember all eyes were on me. And I went outside and the reporters were talking about me being being that guy. And I just remember the first practice, man. And the first practice was, chaotic because guys were like, give us the call. I, I, I get it because guys were probably upset that they didn't. Yeah. So our defense was half your guys have mm-hmm. veterans. So it's got a neat dynamic. And so right. uh, getting everybody to believe in, believe in me, it was kind of a process. And I remember Coach Coward after that practice was telling me, you gotta control the you gotta control the huddle. And I know people don't do it as much now, but I was like, so how do I do that again? <laughs> <laughs> he, he never told me. He never told me what to do. So you know what I did? I was just like, okay, tomorrow, just be that guy, even though you don't even Even though you're not convinced you're that guy yet, just be right. Just and what happened was I actually grew into more of a leadership role. And I took that leadership role pretty seriously when I was out there because, you know, you gotta look over there, you gotta make the calls. And my position was pretty difficult because a lot of times, you know, we had to run twenty or thirty yards down the field with the tight end. And then come back and stop run. And then one, you know, then the next time blitzed the, uh, blitz the passer so it was very involved but I really learned through those years you know just being that and, and my football IQ really went up from there
0: right um you talk about your days at linebacker you guys had a group of four unfortunately I did see you here a few years ago at uh Kevin Green's uh funeral mm. when he passed unexpectedly uh I've been in contact, you know, with the show that I do each and every week with the Chiefs. I'm in contact with with Chad Brown's son as well. Um you know, we're gonna have some Steelers fans here watching, obviously, but you know, everybody knows who you are. And that group was pretty iconic. Just talk about you know, it's a three-four defense, so you got four linebackers, you and Greg Lloyd, Chad Brown, uh, Kevin Green. It was a pretty special group, really.
1: Yeah, it really was because we all brought something different to the table, but me and Chad was really kind of more similar than not because we were both, you know, we were both like the seventh child. We both were transitioning from being outside linebackers in college to be inside linebackers in the NFL and having more responsibility, making sure we communicate to the front seven, uh, the back four. So we kind of, me and Chad really leaned on each other because we got coached harder because we were affiliation with linebackers, Marv Lewis, I mean, we got coached hard. We really did. There were some meetings where we're in there and we're like, we're both going to get cut. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? But we were, the thing was, I think was really special about me and Chad, we were both really good. Yeah. And we kind of, you know, as the year went on, we kind of got better and better. And we had two veteran guys with Kevin and Greg, who were just nuts, man. It, it, mm-hmm. They were nuts, man. And sometimes it was hard to kind of calm them down, but we really pushed each other. We really did. Yeah. We were, we were the kind of force from that. I don't know a lot of people knew this, but we watched film on our own a lot of times after we after the team watched film. We would come back after practice and we would while out there together and we would kind of go over the call and what we would do. And it was kind of more Kevin getting us, Kevin got me and Chad to watch more film with him. And then Ray right. kind of joined us
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it really worked out because, man, like the next year or so, we really connected as a force and we kind of knew exactly. What everybody was doing, and it was it was really special to play with three other guys who were that good. And what they did was really push you to be the best you could be. And then, you know, being a, a linebacker at Pittsburgh is kind of uh, a tradition that they have really yeah. good linebackers. So I'm much being one of those really good linebackers. I was really fortunate to play with some great guys and be able to uh, do very well. But I think a lot of times you got to look at the atmosphere and the environment and we just had a good atmosphere and a good environment and i think that's the reason why we
0: were very successful you mentioned marv lewis long coach for cincinnati bagels uh, i got close with him because i was always running scout team uh, as a center <laughs> so i was always going against you guys and then that was him he was always messing with me because he was leading you know he was out there leading the scout team to a degree and then whatever just talk about him because i I really enjoyed him. I think uh, you, you did the same, but this was a guy that y- you could understand why he was a head coach for so long. Yeah, Marvin was really detailed. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, like we had to, like, I I used to false step a lot. And what that means was I used to have a little hitch in my step. Even though I was fast enough and quick enough to recover for the most part, it, he used to get on me all the time, like, Kirk, false step, false step. It, it used to drive me crazy, and then I was like, okay, maybe you need to work on that. And I right. started kind of working on it myself, just kind of visualizing the that first step. right? And so he was very detail-oriented. I like Marvin. I mean, uh, that's a tough situation going there. You got guys like Kevin and Greg that are better yeah. guys, and this is like your first the second year coaching pro. And like I said, Players back then, if they did not respect you, they wouldn't really deal with you. Mm-hmm. You know, like if if they feel like you were a bad coach or a bad player, they had nothing to do with you. It. Then it's definitely they they didn't give you the time of day. They didn't give you the time of day or they did not respect you. If and mm-hmm. that's how it was back then. If you did not if you did not play to a certain level, they just wouldn't respect you. So I have to say, Marv did a good job of getting respect of that little because there was, you yeah, know, Kevin and Greg were, you know, already established guys before he got there. So, yeah, it was. Um, he he did a good job of coaching me and Chad, though. <laughs> really, yeah. Did. And uh, he was a very smart guy, so I I really liked Marv.
0: Yeah, talk talk about that a little bit. You know, Chad came in after you and. Chad and I spoke recently and, and talked about the fact. I mean, his his rookie year, he struggled. I mean, he struggled hard. Um, yeah. did, did, we both do. Well, but you, you I thought a little bit quicker. I thought a little bit quicker than he did. Yeah, uh, but, but did, did you mentor him some? Did you? I mean, you guys were the younger guys. I mean, because he he said it was rough on him.
1: Yeah, I think we. I don't think I'm mentoring him. I just try to encourage him. Gotcha. I want. Him. You know, just try to be like, let's go, man. We're going to be great. We're going to be good players. And I would would tell Chad, man, wait, we're going to be really good players as well. But that position is so cerebral in a lot of ways. It's almost Mm -hmm. like you almost have to be patient, Mm -hmm. then be aggressive. You have to kind of take a deep breath, see everything, get your alignment, get the assignment, and then – it's like in yoga, you just our meditation. You just take a deep breath, and now you got to play. And so sometimes as an outside backer, you should be a little bit more aggressive because right. it's either coming to your side or not coming to your side. Or whether by linebacker, you know, there's traps, guys are pulling, there's play action pass, so you have to be really on your feet to really read it right. And if you don't, you're gonna be out of position. So, I think. That's the issue Chad was having. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, like I said, I caught on probably, but I had a year to kind of catch on a little bit. Mm-hmm. He was kind of thrown in there a little bit, so yeah. But I, you know, I thought Chad was a tremendous player. And hard. was, it, yeah. Once he got it, he got it. You know, but yeah, yeah I mean, if you never played the position, and they want you to play a three-four, and you want the inside linebackers. Oh man, it's tough, especially when people say oh, we can run the ball on him. Right. Oh, oh, we can exploit him. Like, people always thought that they could exploit me in the passing it. Yep. They would always try me because I was a bigger guy. Yep. But, um, you know, to a lot of people's surprise, I was probably a better than athlete than most people probably. I mean, initially looking at me, I mean, I was a big dude, but I was, I was athletic enough. And then, you know, like with Chad, I just wouldn't, try to encourage Chad as much as possible. And we leaned on each other a whole lot because when when the film came on, me and him was gonna get the, the blood yeah. of the criticism. I don't care if Greg or Chad, or Greg or Kevin would jump outside, they would be like, we can't jump outside, LeBron and Chad. And we're looking at each other like, we're five yards to add the ball. I think we jump <laughs> outside. or uh, if." had yeah, some kind of communication that go on well they would blame us we would get we would get the blame all the time and uh, finally in my I guess my third year his second year he got a little better for us
0: all right uh, we're gonna take another break when we come back we're gonna talk about life after football okay thanks for listening to KC Sports Network make sure you download our new app find it on the App Store or Google Play just search KC Sports Network all right, back with Levan and Kirkland. Leval, okay. So the one the one person who never loses is Father Time. You played eleven years. I played fifteen. Um, but eventually, uh, it comes time for for life after football uh, for yourself. And, and really, it's interesting. I think people don't understand sometimes. You get so close with people, then sometimes you go to different teams. You leave. I left, you know, uh, after the Super Bowl year, and you know we really didn't see each other. And not that we didn't get along. It's just. You go your separate ways, and it's kind of tough. But how about you? Um, after football ends, what was LeBron Kirkland doing?
1: Oh, man, you know, I had, I was one of the, the last single guys for a long time. I mean, I didn't get married while I was in Pittsburgh. Got married uh, after my Seattle after my year. I met my wife. And then Philly, I, you know, I was really going to retire before I went to Philly. Okay. And, my wife, and my wife was like, you know, I think he's still got you know a couple more years, and so Rick Burkholder, who yeah. was an assistant trainer when we were there, mm-hmm. he calls me He said, Kurt, do you want to play one more year? And I'm like, mm, Yeah, I'll give it one more try. try. It, it was the best day, man, because I got to be with Amy Reed. Yeah, and Amy Reed is one of my favorite, I thought Bill Cowell was my guy, right? And I really like it. Yeah, you know, obviously we're in Kansas City. I want to hear about this. Yeah, and so Andy was, I guess Andy said, you know, hey, uh, you know, I've been watching you your whole career, man. You're a tremendous player. And the one thing that he didn't get on me about was my weight. He was like, I don't care about your weight. He said, as long as you can play like you can play, it does right right on And I just remember the things he did in practice. And I was like very impressed. Um, he was a guy that people think he's like finesse for whatever reason, but if you ever went to his training camps, mm-hmm. they're not finesse at all. This right. training, those first three days of his training camp, are as tough as any training camp I've ever been. And I mean, I remember the first time when he was like, "We're tackling to the ground." <laughs> <laughs> we never did that in Pittsburgh, so I thought you yeah. like. I was like, excuse me? I was like, huh? He's like, oh, yeah, we tackled him to the ground. And we had him tackle to the ground. Wow. And, but it was a great experience because he was a guy that I really felt had uh, a coaching DNA that was above a lot of other guys. He understood how to take care of players. He knew how to push them. He knew how to be very patient. I never really hear him raise his voice much. Right. And I really enjoyed playing with him. I mean, I really enjoyed playing under Andy. It was really great. And then, you know, we get the thing where Rick Berkholder was like one of my boys when I was yep. in Pittsburgh. So yeah, that was great. But you know, like after retirement, after, you know after that year, I just felt like it was over with. I, I felt like I wasn't the player that I was. Mm-hmm. I didn't wanna, you know, I'm holding there for one year. and just got married. We're about to have a baby, and I was like, "Do I want to keep moving?" You know, because I had to move to another team, right? Yeah, and then got my wife and child, moved to another location, and I just didn't want to do that. And I decided mm-hmm. that I was going to hang them up, retire, and that's what I did. And I think I, you know, I kind of just did nothing for about five months, and then I got real yeah. bored. And so I, I went back to get my degree at clemson university probably one of the best decisions that i made and i end up i wanted to do something else outside of football right i wanted to see what else i could do because you know you know we played the whole time and that's all we're used to doing we're that's yep. all we you know the whole you know the whole routine and we're mm-hmm. we're such a routine yo yeah not organization and we're I mean, football players are routine. We we are here at eight o'clock. Here at nine thirty, you know. All times spoken for. All times are covered. So you're basically, you know, you're basically spoken for. Like you're going to be doing this at a certain time as a professional football player during the season. Now, I'm not playing, and I'm like, wow. How do I navigate my time? Right. So it was a transition for me. Even though you know, it wasn't like money issues or anything like that it was just like so what do i do next and i didn't want to i didn't want to get in football just yet kind of like i want to see if i can do something else so guess what i got into i got into i went i was at clemson on the administration staff i was doing a mission oh oh wow (laughs) i was in the admissions office for about five or six years i enjoyed it i really did that's awesome because it was it really showed a different Part of life, yes. Again, I, I got to work with, um, I got to work with a diverse group of people, which means I got to work with um, women. And you know, honestly, in the football realm back then, you really didn't work with women at all. No, and <clears throat> it, it was like, oh man, I'm getting to work with men, women all over the campus. I was the minority coordinator at Clemson University on the admission side. Every time I say that, people say. Uh, I was recruiting for Clemson football one, but right. no, I was on the admissions yeah. side, and I really enjoyed that because I got to meet all professors, staff members on campus, instead of meeting just the athletic department. So right. for me, it was a great move, and I got to see how other people manage things, how they uh, do things, and it was... It was really cool. It was really cool, especially for someone who never had that experience before.
0: Yeah, you. Know, it's. Uh, I'm curious your thoughts. Uh, number one, we're, we're both similar. to The fact that we walked away from the game somewhat healthy and of our own volition, which for me was very empowering. I was asked to continue to play. Doesn't mean I would have made the team, but probably could have scratched out a year or two. Yeah, probably could have done the same a little. Yeah,
1: bit, I, but... I was. I was asked to, you know, play a little. bit, you know, but I, I was, I was like, I just didn't. I think when you stop, there's a point where it's not the love of the game is always there. Right. But there's something, you don't really have that passion to do practice or watch film. You just don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. And you you grow up loving the game. You grew up um, really being connected to the game, almost like a marriage. And then you just kind of either you outgrow it or it outgrows you. Yeah. And you have to move forward. And that's what I felt. I felt like, yeah, this is it for me. I'm, I'm not a football player. I got to find my way to move forward. And that's what I did. I just kind of walked away from the game.
0: Yeah. You know, you know, for me, the 15 years that I retired, then 12 years on the radio network calling the games and retired again. And I mean, it's just, I, I'm, I'm four years away from calling the game, still have a pregame show, but for me, actually the joy and the love of the game is just now starting to come back where I really Mm -hmm. enjoy it to a degree that I used to and didn't know that I used to enjoy it like that. I mean, to me, uh, you know, college and even high school is where the game was really, really pure. Not that it's bad in the NFL, it's obviously great, but um, people don't realize. How about as far as what moves you off the field? Any hobbies, things you like to do, things you're doing these days? Well, you know,
1: actually I am, <laughs> I am actually getting my master's degree in psychology. That's outstanding. Yeah. When I, when I graduated from Clemson university, man, always thing I mean, I, I promised my father and everything before, you know, when I left that I would graduate from college, graduate from Clemson, it was important for him and also for me. But the funny thing was when I got my bachelor's degree, I thought that would be like the happiest thing. I saw people getting a master's degree. And I was like, that's what I want to do. Wow. I want to get my master's degree. I didn't, you know, I didn't know how I was going to do it. Uh, because I wasn't going to pass anybody's GRE. but now, you know, that's not really a factor. So I, you know, I figured out like, what do you want to do? You know, like, what, you know, what are you good at? And one of the things that I was always pretty good at was coaching and talking to younger people. Yep. And. Um, I decided, like, you know what? I'm going to go to Grand Canyon and get my master's degree in psychology, emphasizing life coaching. And I felt like my experience, everything I went through, that I could pay it back for it. that. Wow. Yes. And a give back to athletes that, you know, when I, like how I said, when we came in, it was more of a survival. You didn't really yes. got a lot of mentors that played the game, to do that. I felt like, Man, I want to give that back to student athletes, individuals, organizations. But I wanted to give especially back to the student athletes at a younger age. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of colleges do it where they do more of a holistic oh. type program. But I thought like, man, we really need that now. We, we, you know, our sixth graders need to understand about life skills and how the life skills they get from athletics can help them throughout life. So, you know, I um really wanted to start a uh, a coaching company called Complete Me, which basically tries to help, you know, people become a, a better version of themselves. A complete Versus. version of themselves. So I <laughs> I just did that. I had the idea with my mind for even before I retired, I wanted to do something like that. And, you know, I, I worked with the South Carolina Football Hall of Fame. And we work mm-hmm. with a lot of athletes and we work with a lot of students, especially in South Carolina, because we're like 43rd in the nation as far as college and career readiness. Oh wow. And I just think that's just bogus. And I'm like, you know, I don't want my people to, you know, be 43rd. <laughs> yeah. and I want us to be better. And I, I always thought that, you know, coaching in a different way could really help that. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, so in October on the eighteenth, man, I'll be walking. So that'd be that'd be really cool. That is awesome. Congratulations. Thank you very much. I appreciate
0: that. Yeah. That's pretty
1: cool. So it, it took wow. me a while because you know, I, I don't know if you knew this kind but uh my my former wife uh passed away a couple of years you know, oh, ago. for lung cancer, which was it was it was devastating to me. It really I was because you know, a lot of times, especially doing what we do everybody thinks you're a tough guy and you're, right you're and you are and you you're strong but when you lose a spouse that young it gets tough to adjust and i had a you know i had a daughter so all of a sudden right. I re, i'm a single bear you know i'm taking care of this young girl i'm like what am i doing I, I gotta tell you a story about that yeah My my former wife used to take her to school, right? So now I'm coaching at FAMU FAMU with Earl Holmes. Okay. So now I got to take her to school, right? So I, oh my God, Kilgo, I was the, for about the first two weeks, I was the worst. I mean, (laughs) uh, it was like a madhouse, man. So, you know, I'm trying to get her ready. I'm trying to get me ready. And, you know, I, you know, we didn't have time for breakfast because the school was like 30 minutes away. and like, come on, Kennedy, we gotta go. <laughs> How old was she at the time? She was 11 years old.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: But the cool thing about hey. Kennedy was she was so okay. Like, when, when my former wife died, she was so good as far as understanding the whole concept. And right. she was more so like, you know, I'm you know, I'm happy for mom. She's, you know, in having no more pain. So yeah. for most of most of Kennedy's during that time, she got diagnosed when Kennedy was five years old. Oh, okay. And so Kennedy, I think her and Kennedy really talked talk about. about yeah. And yeah. so when she died, you know, the next day my daughter wanted to go to go to school. Right. And I'm like, and I'm thinking, Kendall, she didn't get it. I just I told her that mom passed she didn't get it so she goes to school I was like okay if you want to go to school you can right most kids don't usually but she did and so I I thought that she didn't get it and so I pick her up from school I say Kendi, you know what happened to mom right she said oh dad I know you know I you know I'm really happy for mom you know uh, she's in a better place and you know God's gonna take care of her Wow. And so that whole time, man, the girl, <laughs> she didn't cry or anything. Like during that whole time, we get to the funeral and I'm up there and I'm crying. Mm-hmm. And I look back and my sister's sitting with us and she's crying. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to it. And I'm like, Kim, you, we're going to be okay. Don't worry about it. She's like, yeah. well, I'm not crying because of mommy. I'm crying because you were crying.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and- uh, right, right now, I'm not crying. You are. I mean, yeah. goodness.
1: And then she was like, uh, so as the funeral was going on, we had this kind of a flashy minister. And right. she's, like, she's like, Daddy, why does the minister look like a big Willie Walker? Because <laughs> he, he, he had the bow tie and everything. It, it took everything about being nothing cracked up last.
0: Well, that's a chip off the old block right there. Uh, that a chip off the that, She got that, that sense of humor from you, because I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, you weren't afraid to get on people at, at all times.
1: Yeah, you know what, though? But I was always trying to make it more funny
0: Right, life. I wasn't trying to ever hurt anybody's feelings. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. he was in good yeah. natured, But it, if you think I don't remember you talking oh, to no. Willie Williams... <laughs> Who was a very diminutive quarterback and asked him if he got his clothes at Gap, gap for Kids.
1: I mean, I, I asked him about Santa Claus, are you happy about, you know, you get everything you want for Christmas? I, I, was, I was terrible, man. I, there was another guy named Bernard Daphne that I would get on yes. about him being Barney. And I'm like, how can you do your television show and come to practice? <laughs> and I would say, like, Man, you know, oh. I, say, I know the kids are going crazy about you, you know, wanting your autograph. But I I, I always say that, hey, hey Deft, man, can you get us get my, my nieces some tickets for the ice cream? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I remember Saul the Wilcox had that that brown suit on and you're like, Bobby Brown, how you doing, man? That you just <laughs> it's things like this, folks. I'ma tell you right now, uh, some of the things that went on were so much fun and and uh yeah certainly wish people could have been, you know, as we wind this up, because I don't want to take too long because we could talk all day. It's been longer. This has been beautiful. I want to keep connecting. But um, you talked about that and um, losing your former wife and passing away. Um, I got divorced six years ago. And, and from that, uh, I, I realized I had some issues going on, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of stuff on my own. Started going to counseling, still continue to go to counseling. <clears throat> I talk about this openly because I think people need to hear uh, okay. and understand that the people that play in the NFL, everybody has something going on, going on. I'm just curious yourself, uh, d- did you reach out that way? to Jeff, somebody else to talk with? How did you do it?
1: Yeah, yeah, I had to go to, I had to go to Greek counseling, really. Yeah. Because I had as much negative thought than positive thought as, right. had, as after she left. I just didn't know how I was going to get, get it done. I can't imagine. Yeah. I, I just I just I mean, like, I'm gonna go take care of this young girl. I, I just over I was overtaking it a little yeah. too
0: much.
1: And I had to really sit down and really talk to someone about the situation. And I realized that it was okay for me to grieve the way I was grieving. Right. And it was okay not to be the strong guy because everybody expects him yeah. to be the strong guy. And so it took me, it really took me a while to kind of rebound from uh, that grief that I was having. And I would tell anybody, even if you're not going through a whole lot, to make sure that you're you're talking. And back mm-hmm. then, you know, we were so conditioned to not toughen our feelings. Right, just squeeze it in. Just sque- no matter if you were having right yeah, you having the worst day ever. But when you got to practice, you had to perform. Look, you know, like people didn't want to hear about your tough day, you know? So I think it was uh, this thing that, you know, about men, about us being strong, about us standing alone. And, you know, we kind of bought into that. And I, I, I especially did myself. And I had to realize that, you know, you need people um, by you, you need to talk to someone, you need to let it out, and I think that's one of the reasons why, guys, I'm getting into what I'm getting into because, yeah, <clears throat> you, you understand you've been there, you, you've you been there through the spirits, and you don't want anybody else to go through that if you don't have right. it, so yeah, I understand. I mean, I understand that when you lose someone and it's just tough, and you got kids. and you know, you're thinking that you're supposed to be this perfect person and you realize that you're not a perfect person. And I think once you understand that you're healing, you know, things get
0: a little bit better for you. Yeah, no doubt. You normally, my last question is, you know, what is, you know, the the highest of highs that you felt during your life and the lowest of lows. I've got to assume that we just talked about the lowest of lows to a degree, but uh, when you look back, what's something you remember either during your career or afterwards that just uh, is beyond great.
1: Oh man, uh, I just remember. I mean, when we won to go to the Super Bowl, yes, that was pretty cool because the year before we lost to San Diego, right? I, was, I don't know about I was devastated. It, I was devastated, man. That was, I, mean, I was crying. I remember. I, I just remember yeah. just going home and just being so defeated after we had such a great season. Probably a better team. And then yep. the year after that, we go into the Super Bowl. And it was just, you really, it was just, it was just a lesson learned. We actually had to learn that lesson how, okay, now this time around, right, we got, we got to make it happen. We can't. And I think the year before, we just thought that, oh, we're the better team. We're going to win. Mm-hmm. We're going to, you know, yep. play old. You know, you can just think those things as a young person. So that was one of my, you know, Highlights, I mean, my daughter being born, uh, my son being born, those were highlights as well. You know, just low life was just, you know, going through the depression that I went through after Mm. um, after my former wife. And as you know, I'd say former wife because uh, a lot of times what I was doing was, you know, Facebook, you get on there and you say, Happy heavenly birthday! And I, I kind of felt like, in order for me to move forward, right. in order for her spirit to move forward, I had to, move, I had to let it go. Had to separate a little bit. Had to separate a little bit. So, yeah. I, no, I don't do the whole her birthday or anything like that. Even though she's in my heart, you kind of bit. Yeah, that's, and that was the tough part because I felt guilty. Like doing that. But I realized that in order for me to move forward and, you know, um even be with someone else, I had to
0: handle that go. Yeah, that's why his words will awesome. Well listen, we're almost fifty minutes in and again yeah, we can talk all day, but we have it's been great reconnecting. Um you're a good dude. We had some good times. Uh yeah. on the field and off and just joking around. It's so- I love the fact, of, and this, I see this with a lot of my teammates. I love the fact that it can be years, decades since I've talked to somebody. But if we were close back then, it's just like we—it's just like we picked up from picked up from mm-hmm. yesterday. I think that's a beautiful thing, no question, because we laughed so much.
1: Man, <laughs> it was just us four, and we sat in the same seats but every it, time. Uh, absolutely, every time. And man, we just laughed. I mean, whether it was like picking on each other or whatever. Oh yeah, it was amazing. And it was so cool that the Monty Dawson, one of the best centers of all time, yeah. was in that in that group. with me, you, and and Mark, who were knuckleheads, and it was a lot of fun, man. We teased a lot of people,
0: man. It was it was a, it was a blast. Yeah, the, uh, no, Nobody was immune from it. No doubt about it. No no, I'm Kendall. Nobody. I'm Kendall Gammon. He is Lebron Kirkley, 11 year NFL veteran, and you, we have been taking you beyond the game.